My name is Brad, and I'm the lead pastor here at Hillside Church, and I want to thank you for listening to one of our messages from Hillside Church. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of Scripture is still speaking today. So if it's me speaking or if it's someone else, we pray that the message you are about to hear would allow you to know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power. Enjoy the message. Finishing off our summer series, All Grown Up. This is the last of the sermons in this series. Next week, we're going to be starting a new sermon series, looking, talking about exploring the question of what is the church? Um, we've been forced over the last year and a half to, to reevaluate, reconsider, deconstruct, and reestablish what it, exactly it is that we mean when we talk about the word and the institution of church. When we say church, what do we mean? And, and over the last year, we've really had to refigure out what that means. And so I want to biblically bring us back to what scripture will say the church is. And so for a few months, or for a few months, for a few weeks, not a few months, a few weeks, we are going to explore that question and look at the question of what is the church? But for now, we've spent the last seven weeks looking at the fruit of the Spirit, and we've used them as a roadmap for understanding where we need to be seeing growth in ourselves if we really want to be growing in our faith. And then also asking that question. So if these are the things that are a hallmark of a growing faith, are you growing? Are, are you experiencing and seeing the fruit of the Spirit being developed more inside of you? Are you becoming more loving? Are you more kind? Are you encouraging peace? Are you bringing peace to the world around you? Remember, we're in an election season. Are you bringing peace? Are you bringing love? Are you bringing kindness? As we walk through these seasons in our lives where, where seemingly we move from one thing that's contentious to another thing that's contentious to another thing that's contentious, this gives us a real opportunity to evaluate ourselves and our lives and say, am I growing? Or do I look at all these other things and say, well, I would be more kind except... I would bring peace, but do you know who they're voting for? That can't be a peaceful conversation. That, that this, this is the hallmark of what it means to grow up in God, all grown up. And so we want to we be able to ask that question. And, and this last week, we're actually going to be looking at two fruit of the Spirit for a couple of reasons. Um, first, this is kind of the last, last week of summer. It's, it's Labor Day long weekend. And if you're here in the building, you can tell that it's Labor Day long weekend. There's a few people who aren't here this morning, but we're excited to, to be together. But it's the last week of the summer, so our summer series really does need to come to an end. And, and then second, I believe that these, these two fruits, they almost serve as, as two, two sides of the same coin. They're not the same thing, but I think that they do some of the same things in our lives that we can look at together jointly. And I think we'll, we'll discover sort of what God is, is trying to do, at least in some context for us today. But we look back, Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Against such things there is no law. So this week, we're going to, to tackle faithfulness and self-control. Now, now, obviously, these are large topics. You could do a whole sermon series on what faithfulness is. You could do a whole sermon series on self-control and, and all of these things. But to the, they, I think that there's a, a thread that ties them together for us today. And to understand, I think, how we look and understand the idea of, of faithfulness and self-control as a fruit of the Spirit, I want to just jump up a few verses, actually. Galatians chapter 5. Sorry, I didn't mention that earlier. You can turn to Galatians chapter 5. In your, in your Bibles this morning, if you'd like to follow along, that's, that's predominantly where we're going to be this morning. Um, and so in Galatians chapter 5, Paul is, is discussing, and, and in verse 13, he begins this discussion of, of flesh and the spirit. And he says this in, in verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Paul begins this section by telling the church, listen, you've been given freedom through the grace of Christ. That, that through Jesus' death and resurrection, you have been given grace, you have been forgiven, or you have been given forgiveness, which means you've been given freedom. You, you are free to live, you are free to do whatever you want. Because of, of the grace of Christ, we now live in a world full of grace and forgiveness. We're no longer bound by the law and we're no longer bound by the thou shalt nots anymore. You have freedom to do whatever you want. But Paul says that's not the point. Don't use your freedom to live like that. Don't, don't use your freedom instead to love one another. He's saying, through grace, I can be a huge jerk. Through grace, I can, I can be difficult. Because of grace, I can be inappropriate. Because of grace, I can be whatever I want, because God will forgive me. So I'm free to do what I want. But even though I have grace, if, if we all try and take advantage of this grace that's been given, Paul says, be careful, you're going to destroy each other. That if everybody uses the freedom they've been given to just look out for number one and do whatever it is they want to do, ultimately that path is going to lead you to destruction. So be careful, because you have freedom, but freedom used the wrong way is only going to lead, lead to destruction. So what we see here is, is we begin to see this, this transformation that we're given under the new covenant and how the law fits into things. See, when we entered into this new covenant through the death and resurrection of Jesus, and we're going to celebrate that new covenant at the end of our service together with communion, but when we entered into this new covenant, we're, we're no longer bound by the law as an expectation of behavior. I am no longer required to do any of the things that it, it says for me to do in the Old Testament and the law simply because it says so. Grace will cover me. But under the new covenant in place of the law, in our lives, we are given something, someone else, other than the law. You're not given this law as this outside of you expectation, rules, and regulations of life. 
We're, we're free from that. Paul says you've been granted freedom from that. But instead of the law, we're given something else. We're given someone else. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to each one of us as part of this new covenant. When the Holy Spirit comes, we don't live by the law because we're supposed to. We live by the law because the Holy Spirit working in me is transforming my heart and my desires to be like God. That it's not somehow that you need to listen to this because God said so. But the Holy Spirit will work in us to do those things as a part of our life because of his ministry to us. It's how we grow. We don't be more loving because God said be more loving. We're more loving because it's the fruit of the Spirit. And the Spirit at work in my life. I don't try and manufacture love. The overflow of the Holy Spirit working inside of me is love. So Paul says, you're free. But because you're free, you need to live your life being led by the Holy Spirit. And if we're led by the Holy Spirit, our response to freedom shouldn't be, won't be, ha, 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 look at what I can get away with. If we're being led by the Holy Spirit, our response to that freedom can't be, shouldn't be, won't be, I can do whatever I want now. Grace can do whatever. Paul will say, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? No, that, that if that's our thought process, we're not being led by the Holy Spirit. We've missed it. Instead, Paul says that the more we're led by the Spirit, the more we're, we're all grown up in the Holy Spirit, the more we're going to reject the desires that are not from the Holy Spirit. That, that's what the desires of the flesh are here. Paul says that you have on one hand the Holy Spirit, and on the other hand, a part of us that may say, I can do whatever I want. The part of me that wants to exercise freedom that I have to do anything and everything. And, and Paul says these two things, they run contrary to each other. But, the more Paul, or, but Paul says the more you walk by the Spirit, the more you allow the Holy Spirit to grow us up in our faith, the more the side of, of living the life God has for you will win out. Not because we have to, like we're under the law, like the Pharisees tried to, to dictate but because it becomes increasingly who we are. See, when our response to grace is, ha, I'm free to do whatever I want, booyah, blank check, yes, because I've got grace, we're not understanding grace through the lens that actually allows us to understand grace. Grace is only properly understood through the lens of the Holy Spirit. Verse 18 will tell us, so I say, walk by the Spirit. Oh, I missed a couple of verses in here somewhere. Sorry, guys. So I say, walk by the Spirit. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You've got this one side that's flesh. You've got one side that's grace. And if you're led by the Spirit, you don't have to worry about what the law is. Because the Holy Spirit's going to lead you the way that it's supposed to go. When we see grace through the lens of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit works in us, that's when we understand that grace isn't a license to just live however we want or however we see fit. 
but it's being released from the pressure and obligation to live this way because we're told to, but invited instead into being allowed for the Holy Spirit to shape our lives. And then Paul goes on in, in, in the next couple of verses in Galatians. He goes on to say, the life in a flesh looks like this. And he begins to unpack some of these things. And, and like many of the lists that Paul gives with some of these things, he begins with some big things that we can all agree on. Impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. Those are all bad things. And I think all of us would agree that, that those are bad things. That, that we would all say, yeah, the people like that are people who live by the flesh. But then once he's kind of got us nodding our heads and, and saying amen, preach it, he, he brings it home to, to show us that we're not immune from the flesh in our own lives. See, see, we may be able to look at something like impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, and be like, yeah, those people. But that's not me. But then Paul says, discord. Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy. There's a little too much of me in there. That suddenly it starts, starts to come home. That it's, it's not these big external things. I get jealous. I can have moments of anger or, or fits of rage. I, I can certainly be selfish. Factions, I, I can draw lines. We can draw lines really easily. I could ask a couple of questions right now that could very quickly divide this group if we wanted to. We're not gonna, but we could. Envy. There's a little bit too much of us in that second part, where all of a sudden we, we go from, yeah, them, to, I guess, I guess me. And then there's this passage where Paul will compare that list to the list we read earlier, the fruit of the Spirit. And included in the fruit of the Spirit are faithfulness and self-control, which, which brings us full circle back to where we started, halfway through the sermon, and we're just getting started. It's not true, don't worry. Um, but actually understanding this new covenant and grace and the Spirit is crucial to understanding self-control and faithfulness because I believe that these are two fruit that God uses us to keep us moving in the direction He wants us to go. The other fruit as we grow in them, they're, they're characteristics that make us more like Christ and, and these are that too. Jesus is the perfect model of both faithfulness and self-control. But these, these are also the functional ones that cause all the others to have the space to grow in our lives. It's like this. Last weekend, I went on a hike with our youth ministry. And it was a great hike. It was really cool. It was one of the coolest locations for a hike that I think, I think I've ever gone on. But it was a dry creek bed. And there was a couple of, of cliffs, essentially, on either side of, of, the, of the, the trail that you hiked. We hiked right up the middle there, and there's these big, giant cliffs on either side of the creek bed where you couldn't go off the path even if you wanted to. 
that, that as we walked up this creek bed, even if I said, I want to go this way, I, I can't because it's a sheer cliff that's 20 feet tall. A couple of the kids on the hike said, well, what happens if we get lost? We said, you can't. You can't get lost. Like, it's easy to get lost in the woods, not in these woods, is, is you couldn't get off track. And what I would contend for us this morning is we need to understand faithfulness and self-control like these cliffs, like, like these walls. That They are the things that, that, that keep us in line with where we're supposed to be going. See, Jesus, when he talks about what it would look or what it would take for us to follow him the way that we would need to, he would say this. He would say, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus will say, if you want to follow me properly... You need to deny yourself. Deny ourselves. Self-denial isn't exactly a popular sermon topic. Not many people, when this kind of thing comes up, lean over to the person next to them and say, Oh, good. I'm so glad when the pastor talks about this. It's so life-giving and so, so wonderful. I leave so encouraged and so hopeful. Now, now you may be leaning over to the person next to you, your spouse perhaps, and saying, hey, you need to listen to this. He's talking about self-denial. This is a word from God for you. Take notes. Listen, we're going to watch this when we get home again. But this idea of self-denial and, and taking who we are and seeing it become who we need to be, this is a tension that we all live in. And pretty well will be living in for the rest of our lives. And in fact, I would challenge you this morning, this morning, that if you would say, I no longer struggle with this, it's not because you've won the battle. I would challenge you that it's because you've lost it. If we say, I no longer struggle with this idea of self-denial, I no longer struggle with the idea of denying myself, it's because we've fooled ourselves into thinking we've won when we've actually lost. You've just convinced yourself you won. But Paul will write about this tension in Romans chapter 7. He will say this, I do not understand what I do. For how many of us is that an amen right there? I don't get me. I don't get the things I do. I look at my life and I don't know who's driving this shit. I don't know how this happened. I don't know why I said that. I don't know why. I don't understand that what I do. He says, for what I, I want to do, I, I do not do. But I hate what I do. And in verse 19, he continues to talk like this. If you read through it, I was going to read all the verses, but it gets very jumbled and, and it's hard to, to make, not make sense of, but it's, it's hard to make it through. But so we jump down to verse 19. He sums it up. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. I know the things that I should be doing, but I just can't. And I know the things that I shouldn't be doing. And yet, here I am again. I know I should forgive them, but I can't. I know I should extend grace, but I can't. 
I know that I should trust God in this. But I can't see it. I know that I should pray. But I can't. I know that I should read my Bible. But it's boring. I know that I should serve. But I really don't want to and I've already given too much. I know that I should give. But I'm not sure that I have enough as it is. I know, I know that I shouldn't respond like that. But I was really mad. I know that I shouldn't talk like that. But I just wanted them to like me. I know I shouldn't just focus on the negative. But it's where I find my mind. I know that I shouldn't message them like that. But it's just harmless flirting. I know I shouldn't use that or drink that, but I'm just so stressed out and this is going to help. I know I shouldn't look at that on the internet, but this will be the last time, maybe. I know what I should be doing. I'm not doing it. And I know what I shouldn't be doing, and yet here I am. Self-denial. But actually, I would submit to you that the whole idea of self-denial is broken. See, when we read earlier, it wasn't me that stood in opposition of the things that my flesh wanted to do. In fact, I'm where that stuff comes from. It wasn't that Paul said, on one side of you, you've got your flesh. The other side of you, you've got you. Choose which way you'll go. Paul will actually say, the you that's in the middle, that's where the flesh stuff comes from. Now, Jesus did say, deny your, uh, we need to deny ourselves. But if I just try and live that out on my own, my strength, my desire, my willpower, that's how I end up where Paul was. That if I try and just practice self-denial, I will do the things I don't want to do, and the things I want to do, I will not do them. Being human, being sinful, being fallen. The things I don't want to do, I will end up doing them. The things I should be doing, I will end up not doing them if I simply try to practice self-denial. See, I know what I shouldn't be doing. But when I find myself back there, it's because I need something else to help me walk that out. I cannot do it myself. I need something more. I need self-control. See, self-control is, is when I'm staring at something in the face that I shouldn't be doing, and I'm able to walk away. That I'm staring down the lens of something, some place, something that shouldn't be in my life, and I'm able to turn and go the other direction. That's self-control. Self-control is when I'm faced with something that I know isn't good, it's not right, it's not what I should be doing, but boy, do I want to. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. It's my ability to see that thing and walk away. Self-control is the ability to walk away. And I know what I should be doing, but I find myself balking at maybe the idea, and now it's a little too easy to walk away. 
It's not that I need help getting away, but I actually, I need help staying, remaining, committing. And, and I can't do that myself. I, I need something more. I need faithfulness. See, faithfulness is when everything inside of me wants to walk away. It screams walk away. Maybe I even have my justifications for walking away, and I think I'm right too. But the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. It's my ability to remain steadfast even when I feel like leaving. See, it's easy to have self-control for something I don't want. It's not hard for me to look at a bowl of steamed kale and have self-control. And say, I'll be very pious and I'll pass. Look at my self-control. Now you put a plate of Carmen's peanut butter marshmallow squares in front of me. Suddenly, self-control is a little harder to find. I've got to look a little deeper and a little harder inside to be able to say, now God, give me a sign that you don't want me to eat all of these now. Three, two, one, all right, you had your chance. You know, self-control, we need to have self-control when what we're facing is tempting. And it's easy, or it's easy for me to be faithful to something I want to do. It's not hard for me when my kids say, hey, Dad, can we go play video games? It's not hard for me to make time in my schedule to do that. But when it's something a little less down, or a little, le a little way less down on the scale of things I want to do, like doing the laundry, it's sometimes a little easier to see my day as a little more crowded. I can't do the laundry. I got to go play video games with the kids. It, it, we need faithfulness to do the things that maybe in the moment we don't want to do. See, the struggle that Paul talks about, it's always going to be there. The battle between the flesh and the spirit, the battle between what I know and what I do, it's, it's never going to be fully resolved in our lives. The question is not, can you conquer it? The question is, can you grow in it? In your life are the fruit of the spirit of faithfulness and self-control growing in you. Can you grow in trusting God enough to remain faithful to what he's called you to do? Can you trust in God enough to be, to be faithful to where he's called you to be? Even if it clouds the path you want to take. Can you grow in trusting God enough to reject the times and the places where we can get what we want apart from God? Even when it means saying no to something you really want. As we grow in these areas, our lives are being directed down the trail. As we are able to stand and remain faithful on this side and have self-control on this side, it's just like we're walking down the trail with the cliffs on either side. We will remain where God has us, heading in the direction he wants us to go, no matter or growing, up, growing up in our walk with the Lord is something that God has for each and every one of us. No matter how long we've walked with him, whether we're new to the journey, whether we've been doing it forever, 
But friends, it, it takes humility to grow. It takes humility to admit I need to grow. But if you, if I, if we are willing to take a step into humility and say to God, I want more of you. I, I need more of you. I need to become more like you. And that's what we talked about at the beginning of all of this. Spiritual growth means nothing other than becoming more like Jesus. And, and so if we, with all humility, come to the Lord and say, God, help me grow. Friends, I promise you that the only answer to that question or to that prayer will be yes. God wants you to grow. God wants us to grow. It's what he has for you. What is God's will for my life? To become more like Jesus. What does God want from me? To become more like Jesus. That's the answer to that question. It's not necessarily a career. It's not necessarily a life path. God will have those things for you. But ultimately what he wants from you is for us to become more like him. It's what he wants to do in you. We need to become grown-ups. Even if we are a grown-up, we need to continue to grow up. I could write a melody that all of heaven's choir sings. Thanks for listening to this message from Hillside Church. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Hillside Church, there are a couple places you can go. HillsideAirdrie.ca is our website, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Hillside Airdrie. You can also look us up on YouTube and find all of our messages on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to connect to the pastoral team at Hillside, you can do that through our website, HillsideAirdrie.ca, and click on About Us in the main menu, and then click on Our Pastors. We're so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Hillside Church, we are a family, not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. As family we go. At best it all means nothing. With our love it all means nothing. I can dine with the kings and queens My name go down in history But if I don't have love It means nothing So take the old and make me new Show me how to love like you Cause if I don't have love It means nothing If I can I love myself yeah. oh. If I won't move when my brother cries out for help yeah. If I'm too proud to forgive before the sun goes down Then this life that I'm living, what is it me now? At best it all means nothing
sound like a crashing cymbal. Yeah. No, I don't want to be some empty noise. Down on my knees, Lord, I surrender. Jesus, help me to love with a love like yours. I don't want to sound like a crashing cymbal. No, no, no. I don't want to be some empty noise. Oh, I'm down on my knees, Lord, I surrender. Help me to love with a love like yours. Something. Mm-hmm. 